What up, what up, what up, though? And welcome back to another episode of the Black Fridays podcast. I know y'all miss me, but I'm back. Your favorite host, Denzel Turner. And I'm here to talk a little black business with y'all, if that's okay. Now, we just wrapped up our Flashback Friday series where I was bringing back some of the dope Instagram live interviews that I had and putting them on a podcast platform. So shout out to y'all for tapping in with that. And thank you for all of my guests who were a part of those lives. And it's great to see all the wonderful things that they're doing out here. But today I got a brand new episode for y'all. So I know y'all hyped. I'm hyped about it as well. I had Chelsea Williams of the It Girl Factory pull up to the podcast to talk about how she got into designing and curating custom jewelry pieces, what that means to her, and then also what her overall mission is in order to bring more awareness to the plus size fashion community. Listen, Chelsea is super dope, and you're going to get a chance to hear more about her story and her experiences in this episode, and you're going to see exactly why she is, quote unquote, the it girl. Now, with that being said, run my intro. Let's get into it. Oh, it's good. You are now in oh, the by Despite Jones. Ladies and gentlemen, help me welcome the it girl herself, Miss Chelsea Williams, to the podcast. How you doing today? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing pretty well. I appreciate you uh, pulling up as always, and definitely want to get more into your story and your background and everything that you got going on with the It Girl Factory. However, what I do with all of my guests is I got to introduce you to my favorite segment, Freestyle Fridays. <laughs> We're going to have a little bit of fun to kick off the podcast. So I need you. I'm put on an instrumental, and I need you to give me your best eight bars. Okay, now you're talking my language. <laughs> Let me, you want to get ready. <laughs> yeah, so, I, I got this. Okay, so so that's the fake out. You do not have to freestyle. Freestyle oh. Friday is just a random assortment of questions. They all about you. You can't, so you shouldn't get them wrong. And okay. uh, I just ask that you answer everyone and you answer honestly. Okay, I can do that. All right, cool. So the very first one is I want to know, because we'll be talking about uh, the jewelry game, of course, I need to know, like, what was your first piece of jewelry that you can remember? Ooh, it was a Hello Kitty watch. I wanted it so bad. Uh, my mom used to work at TJ Maxx, so I used to go in there all the time and, like, wait for her to get off work, and I'd go to the jewelry and touch everything, and they had, like, this little cute little plastic Hello Kitty watch. So, yeah, that was the first piece. <laughs> that remind me of the um, Rugrat watches that they used to have at Burger King. Yes, yeah, it was just like that. I thought it was so sweet, too. <laughs> <laughs> and then those later turned into G-Shocks, but you know, that's neither here nor yeah, there. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so because we're from the, the great state of Michigan and, and the wonderful city of Detroit, I need to know all my guests, very important question here. When you go to Coney Island, what is Chelsea ordering? Chicken pita, deluxe, add cheese, sliced cheese, fries, and then like a lemonade. Now that's, that's a very solid meal. 
speculation out there was that you was getting squeezed cheese, but you know, I wanted you to be able to clear the you air. Know, you already know. That's how you know. Like, are you really from Detroit? You get sliced and squeezed. Like, I gotta watch you. <laughs> <laughs> definitely gotta get sliced. Slice is definitely the way to go. Um, I know you, you're a trendsetter. You're doing it big out here. What's one of your favorite places to travel? Um, I would have to say, honestly, Jamaica. The, it's the culture there. It's like they love black people coming there, first of all. So you're going to get like so much love. And it's just like it's just so much culture there. I feel like it's kind of like, I guess, the Caribbean Detroit. Like I like seeing, you know, being immersed in places where it's like all black people. So it's like, oh, my gosh. And they see you and they're like, look, a black person like, yes, come over here. Like, let me help you, man. Like, yes, thank you. So I think it just sounds like it sounds so, I guess, cliche to say Jamaica. But really, they're just such really great people. So I have to say Jamaica. Any part of Jamaica, honestly, but I mean, Montego Bay specifically. Yeah, Jamaica is definitely always a vibe, um, always good energy over there. And uh, yeah, the one time I went, I did not want to come back. So I definitely understand yeah. what you mean by that. Um, I wanted to know, do you feel like you have someone who is your quote unquote fashion spirit animal? Yes, I would. And it's going to sound really strange because this is an old white woman, but I love really love Vivian Westwood. Um, you know, she's a clothing designer and she's also a jewelry designer and kind of like how she got her start into like the businesses started with jewelry. So like when I first started researching about like the industry, she was one of the first people I kind of found. And I really liked that she had like kind of like a humble beginning where she was trying the same thing, like figure out what what she really adored. And then it kind of just blew up into like now I kind of do everything like I sell clothes I have jewelry and I'm well known so I just like how funky her fashion and style is and you can just see like from the pieces that she sells like there's such a wide variety of you know kind of the things that she curates dope dope I like that and then last but not least who would you say motivates you or what motivates you (laughs) that's a good question I think now that I'm getting older the motivation more so is myself. I think I always kind of used to have like a kind of cliche answer, like my mommy, because she's such a nice person. But I feel like at this point in my life, my motivation is me. And it sounds selfish. It's like not a selfish thing. It's more so like, I just want to make sure that I'm moving authentically and I'm really truly doing what makes me happy because, you know, my family, I feel like they've always had these pressures on me of what they expected me to do. So the motivation was always outside things, but now the motivation is me. Am I happy? Am I doing what I love? So yeah, it's not a selfish thing, but more so like deep rooted spiritual thing, I think. That's dope. That's dope. And uh, and definitely necessary. So shout out to you for that. And also shout out to you because you successfully passed Freestyle Friday. So congratulations. I was ready to spit some bars, though. Don't play with me. Like, well, you know, you never know. We might have to circle back to that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, as far as getting into more about uh, the dope things that you've been doing, something for you that started in the pandemic as uh, I believe a hobby kind of just based on what I saw is now a full blown business and operations. So just want to know if you could tell us more about your journey with the it girl factory. Yeah. So you, you are correct. It did start off as something like a hobby. I've always been interested in jewelry, like making my own jewelry. I'm very much so like a DIY, like, you know, crafter person. I love doing things like that. I always have. And I think it might have like sparked like Girl Scouts. Like that's when I really was like, oh, this is like things that I like. Cause you know, you do little things like, like let's make jewelry, you know, like here's a project for today. So that's originally when I kind of started really thinking like, this is cool. I really like 
being kind of in my own little world and making jewelry. And then it kind of continued on through high school because again, like I'm a very creative person. I just, in the back of my mind, it just didn't click until I got older. Like these things were all encompassing, like being a creative. So um, in high school, plus size fashion really wasn't a thing. Like I couldn't really shop very many places, but I still love to shop and I always have. I never like shied away from that, which I feel like sometimes plus size people, they do get frustrated with having to try to find things and make outfits because you don't always have it readily available. And if you have friends that are straight size, you might feel like a little bit, um, you know, you feel a little bit down, like, oh, I wish I could go to this store. So instead of like, letting that get me down I was just like I want an outfit I want my outfit to bang like I need all my pieces hitting so what I started to do when I went to the mall with my friends because like again I still love to shop I would just go directly to like the accessories part because of course necklaces are basically you know size inclusive for the most part so I started to like really get into like making sure my outfit was a whole look instead of worrying about like, well, I couldn't find the perfect shirt. I found a shirt I liked and then I made sure like, okay, I have necklaces and earrings and everything is just hidden all together. It was a whole look. So people kind of started noticing like, well, dang, you know, you look really nice. And it, it made me feel better about that. Cause I'm like, okay, well, you know, I don't have to be a size six in order for me to still have like this outfit or this look that looks great. So, you know, that kind of continued to go with me throughout my life in adulthood. And one of the things that I kind of started to notice um, like around 2020 when the pandemic started is, yes, I would love to go shopping and go into these stores and buy these jewelry and accessories, but there weren't high quality pieces. Um, and when I say high quality, it wasn't like, oh, they needed to be $500. It was just like, hey, I'm still paying, you know, TJ Maxx $30 for a necklace that breaks or tarnishes in a few weeks. So it started to become kind of frustrating because I constantly felt like I was like rotating jewelry out. But I, again, $30 for a necklace, I mean, that's not cheap, you know, especially for somebody in the midst of a pandemic. So I kind of started to think like, you know, there's a need. When you start a business, there always, you need to fill a need. You know what I'm saying? That's how, you know, I feel like my business sprouted is because I realized that there was a gap in between, you know, like purchasing from like the mall and purchasing from a boutique. And you, I would find those places that did have, you know, high quality jewelry, but then it was like, I really can't afford this because the markups were insane or, you know what I'm saying? They just had gotten a little bit too big and it wasn't like they were considering their clientele very often. So I saw the need and I was like, maybe this might be, you know, where I can fulfill a passion. And one day I just woke up and I was like, this is it. Like, this is where I need to be. This is what I need to focus on. And that same day I went, um, cause I kind of always had an inkling of like it girl. I knew it was something that had to do with it factor or something of that sort. So that night I had came up with the name, you know, did my research and then filed for the LLC and then, you know, the rest is history. So dope, dope. And then what was your next step after you filed the LLC? Cause I like, I want to ask this question because, you know, I, they call it like LLC Twitter, where it's like, instead of you buying this, you should get to LLC. But then it's like, okay, well, what do I do after that? So trying to see if you can shed some yeah, wisdom on like, what was your next step after you actually established the business uh, legally 
Then what did you do? Yeah. So then I absolutely went and uh, registered the domain and paid for the domain name. So to make sure like nobody kind of comes in, swoops up and takes that. Um, and then I started to do some research on like what platform I would use to sell my products. So lots of like YouTube research. And then I also kind of started to kind of just gauge where I would source the products from. So I think, you know, like you said, the LLC is kind of like very basic. It's I feel like it's kind of like a... Ooh, look, I have, you know, you get that little paper like, oh my God, that's my name. But like, that's like pretty much half the battle. Also, another thing I did before I even went to do the LLC, which I should have said is I did like market research on like Instagram. So I made sure that the It Girl Factory name wasn't taken, um, even though it, it, even though it wouldn't have been a problem. Uh, I just wanted to make sure like, hey, I could still use this Instagram name. So then I made a page. So, okay, I got that locked down too. Um, but yeah, I think after, you know, the LLC definitely do get your domain, make sure it's registered, just pay for it out right then and there. And then, you know, start to source your products and do like other, you know, just like general research, how I'm going to keep accounting and things like that. Um, but YouTube was my best friend. I was on YouTube for hours and hours and hours. Like if I had any questions, of course I would Google, but sometimes Google doesn't help. So I would go right to YouTube and like, okay, you know, what do I need to do after this? And, or like, how do I do this? So yeah, YouTube University is definitely undefeated. So definitely uh, a great resource uh, there. And for the products that you currently offer, how do you identify like what you want to sell? Like, do you do it by season? Do you do it by just kind of, hey, I have this idea and I want to put it out there to market. How do you kind of figure out what pieces to make and win? Mm-hmm. So right now, uh, the only seasons I really consider are like summer, you know, because of course you kind of want to switch it up in like um, vacation, you know, lookbooks and stuff like that. But for the most part, I really just go off of what I think I would want, you know, to see on myself. Um, and then sometimes I do have ideas getting jewelry custom made kind of is such a long process. So I haven't really teetered into that yet, but generally just kind of going through pages and pages of like, you know, trendy pieces and kind of figuring out, okay, like what can I see myself wear or what can I see that anybody else would want to wear and it's trendy and doesn't look really cheap. That's like the biggest thing is I don't want any piece that I have to look like, oh gosh, why are you even selling that look so cheap? So that's kind of one thing that I try to keep in mind is like, am I being, does this look like a classy lady would wear this too? So yeah. And do you handcraft the pieces yourself or do you like source them or are they curated? And then Second part to that question is how do you like source the materials for the pieces that you develop? Yes. So the pieces are uh, manufactured by, you know, a manufacturer. So sometimes they already have the items manufactured and ready to buy. And then sometimes it's like, hey, you know, if you want this item, let us know. We'll start production. And then, of course, you know, it gets into you afterwards. Um, And what was the second question? again? I'm sorry. I was saying, like, how do you um, resource? I think you're starting to answer it, but it was how do you uh, resource or how, yeah, how do you source the materials that you use for your piece? Okay, absolutely. So um, I, all of our products are stainless steel. We do have some brass pieces, but that's generally something that I really don't like to have on the website because, you know, of course it's not that healthy for the skin um, or it could be not as healthy for the skin. So I do try to mainly source stainless steel, um, 925 sterling silver or 314 stainless steel items because it's healthy for the neck, it's hypoallergenic. So that is one thing that I always consider if I can't find the product in stainless steel, 
it, it may be like a brass product, but again, for the most part, I do try to make sure like we just use those more healthier um, and long lasting products on the website. So that's something that I'm really trying to focus on now is just basically completely, you know, going to hypoallergenic and stainless steel products only. So everybody listening, FYI, Chelsea's products will not turn your neck green, nor will it make your <laughs> neck irritated. It is good for the skin and it is of quality. You heard it here first. So definitely make sure <laughs> that you consider that when you're checking out uh, It Girl Factory website. Um, and then I wanted to ask if I if I don't forget my question here. Um, oh, as a person myself who loves accessories, like I'm the type of person I buy a bunch of cell phone cases or Apple Watch bands and like bracelets and stuff like that. What type of advice like do you kind of have for people as far as uh, mixing and matching accessories? Like what's too much? What's not enough? You know, what's just right? Just want to, you know, get Chelsea's spin and Chelsea's take on um, the accessory game and, and how you can step your game up. Yeah, absolutely. So when I worked in retail, I worked at Tory, and one of the things they told us is that like you should at least have, um, I believe it's 10 pieces of clothing on. You don't always have to, but it's at least 10. So like, you know, you would count like my top, my pants, my shoes, that's generally like three. And then you kind of build from there. You don't like, again, you don't necessarily have to have 10 pieces, but when I started to break down um, the idea of that, it's like, okay, well now I'm adding a bracelet and I'm at four. Now I have a ring, two rings, that's five and six and earrings is seven and eight. So I really don't think there's necessarily too much, but I will say not every outfit needs a necklace. And this is coming from somebody that's like selling jewelry. Like again, now I have on a necklace and it does look good, but could I have gone without it and just did earrings? Yes. I think also people need to consider, are you going to be comfortable? Because a lot of people ask me like, okay, well, you know, are your earrings comfortable? Am I going to be able to, you know, turn my head? Okay. That's also something to consider because you don't want to overdo it just for the sake of like, oh, I really like these earrings, but I have on a turtleneck and now I'm like, feel like I'm stuffed in all of it, you know? So I think those are, you know, again, things to consider, like you want to be comfortable, number one, in any outfit you wear. And also just making sure like you're taking the effort out to really incorporate an entire look. And again, 10 pieces may be a lot, but maybe if you're unsure of how to accessorize, start with eight pieces. Say, okay, every time I go out and I really want to, you know, jazz up my outfit, I need at least eight pieces. And you can count rings, you can count earrings, you can even count like this hair clip I have in as a, you know, a piece of your outfit. But I think it's a good starting point to be like, okay, let me at least try, you know, to add a few more items if I'm not close to eight or 10. Definitely. And uh, a follow up question to that, because uh, some people definitely overdo it with the overall look. I've seen a few uh, people at an event I was at yesterday that like you, they too coordinated from head to toe. So I don't know if you had any tips on how to make sure, you know, you can wear complimentary things and, you know, everything don't have to be all one color or something like that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think. I really love color blocking, which I think is like kind of something that is becoming a trend again now. I never stop color blocking. I do think that you don't necessarily like again, like you said, it doesn't have to overdo it. Everything you have to have on doesn't have to be blue just because I'm wearing a blue outfit. Like, you know, me and my best friend always joke like, are you blue lady? Like, should we start calling you blue lady? Like, you don't have to wear all blue, like relax. Uh, so like that's kind of the joke that we say to each other. Like, are you blue jean lady? Like tone it down. Like, why don't you, can you add like, you know, prints? So it was a joke, but adding prints in is really one of my favorite things to do because 
it seems like it's hard to match prints like leopard or, you know, tiger print, but it's honestly very complimentary to most colors. So even with me, like wearing pink, I could throw in leopard and it wouldn't like completely mess up the outfit, but just small, small steps. You don't want to just kind of jump right into like, well, I'm going to wear leopard pants and a pink top because I think these two go together. Again, again, I think that's the ideology of like adding eight pieces. Maybe you could start small with like, I just want to wear like a leopard scarf with this pink top. And then it's kind of like, okay, you're getting more comfortable. You're seeing how it looks and you can kind of just dip your toes into like being a little bit more uh, fun and different because I feel like you always have to have fun with your outfit. If you're not, you're thinking too hard about it. You shouldn't be like, oh my God, I I wore this and I don't know how I'm going to look. Just relax. If you don't feel like you're having fun or you're comfortable in the outfit, take a step back and think again, like, what can I do to make this more me? That's great advice. And that makes me think for all of y'all who have the aunties that wear the full leopard print outfit, <laughs> just know that she may be, that's, that's her look and she may be comfortable. So as long as it, if it worked for her, it worked for her and you got to do what, what worked for you. Um, yeah. And as far as like the, the business side and uh, you being able to take this and turn it more into um, an operational business, uh, I know you have participated in the vendor event not too long ago, um, the spring social and wanted to ask what that's your first vendor event and if not what has like your vendor experience been like so far yes the spring social was amazing miranda and deja did a great job that was actually my first vendor event for some reason i was terrified um and I, I think most people think that you would be terrified because you're like an introvert. And maybe I don't like talking to people. I'm pretty social. I, I would consider myself to be more of like an ambivert. So I know when to, you know, click it, cut things off. I think I had gotten so much into my mind that I just was going to be overwhelmed that I, ha- I hadn't considered it because I had been asked to do vendor events before. But, uh, you know, Deja is a very close friend of mine. So she, she really gave me like the power to feel comfortable with stepping out of my comfort zone and doing it. And it girl factory did absolutely amazing. Uh, we made three times our sales goal, which I was like, couldn't even believe it. I made such, I didn't make a super small goal, but I just was like, okay, well maybe some people might pop through. But at one point I'm like, you know, like I can, there's so many people here at the table. I don't even know, you know, how to keep up with the traffic essentially. So I'm so glad I did it. It was such a great learning experience. And it really pushed me to think outside the box of how I can showcase my products to as well in person. Cause you know, taking the pictures online and posting content online is much different than actually having a table out in front of everyone and saying, you know, this is how I'm showcasing my business. This is what I, this is where I want your eyes to go. So it was a great challenge. And now I really feel like where's the, you know, I'm ready for more vendor events, honestly, because it was such a great turnout and I had a really good time and met a lot of really nice people too. So Amazing. And what would you say was your hottest seller? Um, like what piece sold the best? Um, I would have to say, mm, that's a good question. It was our Buddha chains. I actually ended up selling out uh, all of our stock. So I was surprised by that because generally most people um, really like the chain that I have on now from like just our online sales. So I was like, you know, stocked up, ready to go. I had this big display of like every color and I maybe sold like one or two, but the Buddha changed, like everyone kept coming back around. Like I saw somebody else buy that. Like, where is it at? Let me see it. So that was kind of cool to see, you know, uh, in person, how that product really just stood out um, in top um, outside of everything else. 
Got you. And I, I think that the reception that you saw at that event and then just in general goes to prove like what your business goal was at first in order to fill a void in the market and that, you know, people um, are people are looking for those type of things, those type of items. And um, it they definitely, you know, want it. <clears throat> and it's uh, it's necessary. So shout out to you for, for making that possible and, and making it happen. And uh, you had mentioned you want to do more vendor events and got your feet wet with the spring social. Uh, are there anything that you any events or anything that you have on the horizon that you plan on doing, but you potentially consider doing one on your own? Or um, what's what does the future look like for that? Yeah, so I will be participating in the Ujama Fest, which is Juneteenth um, this year. Uh, of course, yeah, this year does coming up. Sorry. Um, so that's going to be June 18th next month. So I'm just preparing for that. Um, I don't necessarily think I would want to run my own vendor event, but again, I sometimes shy get shy about things. So I could be in my in my head right now. So you never know. But um, that I have one next month, and then hopefully, you know, for the remainder of the summer while the weather is nice I can kind of get you know into more vendor events so I'm thinking probably maybe like once a month for sure we're going to try to do something or at least go out and you know to some marketplaces uh and things like that nice nice and for the connections that you made at the spring social or just in general just kind of like the black business community and different people got a chance to meet has there been any lessons that you've been able to learn whether it's like directly or kind of just indirectly from um learning from different business owners? Yes, absolutely. And most recently, um, Miranda, uh, I don't know if you saw on her page, she did like a, like she's just selling on the block, like going out to the street and selling in her community. Mm -hmm. And when she posted that video, I have just been so inspired by that because it's so easy for us to just only use our online platforms to sell and to use Instagram. You don't really see people go out and just go to the street into your community and sell. So I definitely have been thinking about how I want to incorporate that into my business as well, which is getting out to the people because not everybody uses online shopping. Not everybody is on Instagram and some people don't even, you know, they might not even know how to find your business. So I really would like to get in front of the community and get out and just show people like, hey, I'm still here for you, whether I'm online, whether I'm selling out of my house. So I definitely was super inspired by her video series about that. Um, So and then also just learning from other business owners, you know, you got to keep going. Don't stop. I've had some really good conversations with business owners who have been in business for years. And the main thing that I always hear is just don't stop. You might slow down. You might have a bad month. Don't quit. Do not give up is the biggest thing for me. Yeah. Yeah. And that's huge, especially uh, the series that you mentioned Miranda doing, because if you have a physical product, like that's definitely the way at the end of the day, the consumer is going to be able to have to touch it, experience it, see it live in person and see what it can do. And then also offers you an opportunity to show people how motivated and driven you are because a lot of times people may, yeah, the product may be great. And you, of course you need a great product for everybody to keep coming back, but they're going to invest in the person just as much as the business as well. So being able to go out there, shake hands, 
look people in the eye and then show them what you're about, show them how much you love your business and that you're about your business. That's definitely always going to bring support back to you and, and keep them um, coming back to you, knowing that they're going to get quality service and products. So yeah, definitely with, with physical products, that is huge. Um, and just in general, just getting outside of social media is not the end all be all. It's a method, but it's not the, the end all be all for business transactions or putting yourself out there. Um, and you mentioned you're going to be doing some events uh, this summer and then trying to uh, accumulate more events and, and things like that. Um, is there, uh, I was considering, or I had thought about, were you considering any potential like collaborations with any other businesses or stores that, you know, kind of align with what it is that you do? Yes, yes. I'm very interested in collaborating with the plus size store just because, again, you know, I don't want to stray too far away from one of the reasons that brought me into, you know, my liking of jewelry, which is, you know, making sure that I feel comfortable as a plus size person. So I would like to collaborate to just, you know, provide more size inclusive for certain jewelry, because sometimes often you see, you know, it might be 16 inches, which on me, that's going to come up to my ears. So I just want to consider, you know, plus size women who may have a larger neck or you may have a larger ankle or wrist, you know, being able to provide those pieces because it can get kind of frustrating in that sense too, trying to figure out like, okay, well, I know my wrist is not four inches. That's a baby hand, you know, but that's all a lot of places sell because they're not considering anyone, you know, plus size too as well. So that's definitely something that's going to be very um, soon, you know, especially for the summer with anklets and things like that. So just providing size inclusive for sure. Are there any size inclusive um, fashion brands that you would like to call out for those who may be listening and actually looking for more opportunities to get clothing like that? Of course, they can come to you for jewelry, but um, any like clothes to match their accessories with? Yeah, absolutely. I really love um, the Boss Couture. Um, It's a Detroit owned um, boutique and it's a plus size boutique. So they have really nice pieces. They're going through a relaunch right now, but it's like one of my favorite places, I think, because they really step outside the box in terms of like, again, getting the products in front of you and showing you different sizes. They have many different models with body types and different sizes. So that's important to me too, is just not showing me one plus size figure. You're showing me, you know, somebody that's shorter and plus size or somebody that's taller, their legs are longer. Um, so that's only one I can really think of offhand for now. Um, but yeah, I really do really like the brand. Dope, dope. Uh, and then I want to ask as far as um, size inclusivity, we start to see like a little bit more of that in kind of like modern advertisements. I know like Dove has done a couple of things. Lizzo has developed a brand for uh, plus size women specifically. And of course there's a much longer road to travel with uh, these mainstream brands, but wanted to get your perspective on as far as inclusivity with those type of things that kind of speak to a women's body type, whether it be attire or skincare, et cetera. Um, what's kind of like your thoughts on where that market is and where it may be headed? So I kind of have a controversial, I, uh, you know, thought on that within the last, like, I would say three years or so, I've noticed a lot more brands are becoming size inclusive, but what they're doing is they're not changing the designs for plus size bodies. What they're doing is they're taking designs that they have made for straight size people and just making them larger. So what they need to consider is that I may not want to wear the same halter or crop top that someone who is a size zero is. I would still like you to carry my size, but you need to consider that, you know, plus size people may have rolls. You know what I'm saying? We may have larger, you know, bosom and all things like that. So 
I've been noticing the past few years, some places are doing a good job, but of course, you know, places like Fashion Nova, they don't really consider that. They're literally just like, okay, well, take whatever you made for the size zero and just add some more fabric and then slap it on the website. And it's like, okay, some, you know, and there's nothing against that women that, you know, really like those pieces, but for someone that might be a little bit more modest or, you know, or really that's not their jazz, it can kind of get difficult shopping right now. But again, there are way more choices. So of course, I'm still digging deep and try to find, you know, brands that align more to like what, you know, I feel comfortable in. But it, I do think it's starting to become a little bit of a problem. Um, as And that's just me saying this as a plus size woman, you know, the brands need to consider, please just do do different styles. It's OK for you to say you don't need to have the exact same thing in every size, you know, like show me the depth of your brand. Show me how much you really care about catering to, you know, different sizes and different people. So and that that's huge. I, I don't think I ever thought about it like that, but I think you're that you're 100 percent right as far as them. They just expand, but they're not considering the different body types that come with those sizes. So it's not going to translate the exact same look. So you definitely got to consider a way more um, when you're including those sizes and that community. So that's that's definitely a, a great take um, on that. Please let the good people know where they can tap in with you at and how they can be able to purchase some it girl. Give us your website, your, your social, all that good stuff. Yeah. So uh, my personal Instagram is it girl Chelsea with the underscore. That's my personal page. And then the it girl factory page is on Instagram, it girl factory on Twitter. Same thing, just it girl factory. Um, and then our website is www.itgirlfactory.com. So if you guys want to, you know, pop in, take a look, you're more than welcome to. I would love it. Honestly. <laughs> Appreciate you pulling up to the podcast. It's really dope what you're doing. You got some dope pieces. And um, as you can see, the community, they they love it. They're enjoying it. So like you say, you just got to keep going and, and making it happen. So shout out to you for embarking on this journey um, almost two years ago or over two years ago at this point. And, um, you know, just the beginning. Thank you. I appreciate you. And thank you for having me on. I was waiting like I want to be on uh, his podcast. So I'm glad you asked me. I've been looking at all the hard work you've been putting into and you're doing awesome. So I appreciate you having me on as well. Thank you. Of course. Of course. And everybody listening, I make sure I tap in with y'all soon. And uh, Chelsea, thanks again. Thank you. Take care. All right. You too. All right. Bye.